Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Our guest this week on our game day segment will be first-year beat writer Austin Meek from The Athletic Detroit. Before we get started, let's get it going with my view from Section 17 as we do each week during the season. The view Saturday night was very wet, but you know what? I didn't even mind. Watching us pound out a win on the national stage was the most fun I've had in a monsoon probably ever. We knew before the game ever started that we were going to witness a good old-fashioned running game. Now, even though we controlled the line of scrimmage for more than a half of the Penn State game, I wasn't sure if that meant we had turned the corner. Jim Harbaugh has been telling us for weeks now the offense was hitting its stride. And if I'm going to be honest about it, I thought Jim was being over-the-top positive, showing us all and his team publicly that he believed in them. I guess I was wrong, and it doesn't bother me one bit. What we've seen over the last six quarters is a physical offensive line paving the way for our hard-running young backs, Zach Charbonnet and Hassan Haskins. Shea Patterson is doing a nice job running the offense, and he was outstanding with ball security on Saturday night in that rain. And you know we've been on him enough during the season, so let's give the kid credit. He was solid, and ball security was really, really good. Eight games into the season, I do believe this offense is arriving. It might not be the speed and space attack we thought, but so what? I'm going to give Josh Gaddis some credit. He might be a young, first-time OC, but he's showing me a lot right now. He has pieced together an offense doing what it does best, being physical up front, using our athletic offensive linemen to pull, running a lot of inside power stuff with a heavy dose of traps, which we did very effectively on Saturday night. Yeah, it looks like old-school Michigan football, which when executed is a beautiful thing to watch. The day will come when we get back to running more of Josh's RPO stuff, but right now, his offensive approach seems to be, if it works, let's do it. It was a glorious night of Michigan football. My guest today says he thinks Michigan has found something with this offense that will work the rest of the way. He also thinks the defense is playing faster each week, and if it can stay away from giving up big chunk plays, it's going to keep us in every game. 
Up next on our game day segment is beat writer Austin Meek from The Athletic Detroit. Here on The Michigan Man, in partnership with our friends at SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Back with us on our game day segment this week is Austin Meek, who covers uh, the Wolverines for the Athletic Detroit. Always a pleasure to have you back on the show, Austin. Thank you, Mike. Happy to help. As we were just discussing before we started taping, Austin, you covered uh, the Oregon Ducks for a couple of years out there on what can be a very rainy part of the country, and I'm sure you saw plenty of that. Anything like we saw Saturday night in Ann Arbor? You know, there were a couple games that come to mind uh, that I covered out there in the middle of a a couple pretty good rainstorms. There was a game against Cal uh, five or six years ago where it was really coming down. Uh, but th- but that, uh, that that those elements uh, Saturday night were uh, they were up there, you know, in terms of uh, some of the most challenging uh, weather that I've that I've seen. Um, and you know, I thought I thought Michigan really fed off of that. Uh, I thought Michigan really looked like the team that was. Uh, prepared for those elements, and, uh, and Notre Dame really struggled with it. No, I have to agree, and I, I think everyone that's grown up in the Midwest and played football uh, has heard football coaches preach this from the day you were CYO to high school, that if you cannot run the football up here in October and November, you're just not going to win. And that was certainly the case on Saturday night, because in the first half, the passing game was just off the table for both teams, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. Uh, and for Michigan, that was partly because they they just didn't need to. Uh, you know, Notre Dame was was trying to throw the ball and not having much success with it, and Michigan in the first half uh, really just was able to uh, to pound the run and uh, have a lot of success with it. So that's that's what you'd love to do in a game like that uh, with those conditions. Um, I, I think it really it really says something about how Michigan has improved because we didn't see that earlier in the year. Uh, we didn't see Michigan show the ability to be able to just run it down somebody's throat even when they knew it was coming. But I'm sure Notre Dame expected that uh, given given the wet conditions, um, and Michigan was still able to just go out there and uh, really run the ball with, with no need to throw it until the conditions improved a little in the second half. So that that's a really encouraging sign. Well, and you heard several of Michigan's offensive linemen say after the game, that was uh, Coach Gaddis's uh, game plan. We're just going to line up. It's going to be good old-fashioned smash-mouth football. Then it just becomes a matter of, do you execute it? And I think that was the question a lot of us had. We, we knew coming into the game, we're going to have to run the football, but can you do it consistently? Can you execute? And uh, that was an A-plus, Austin. Yeah, and I think you have to give a lot of credit to that offensive line because they've really improved from the beginning of the season until now. And I think they've really locked in on some concepts uh, that, that they're comfortable with. Uh, I think they're playing to their strengths right now. Uh, that was clearly the best we've seen that offensive line play all season. Uh, and I think you have to give a lot of credit to you know, Ed Warner uh, and all of those guys. You know, they, they were able to really, I thought, dominate uh, the defensive front 
for Notre Dame. And just, you know, a really cohesive and a really dominant effort from that offensive line. Well, do you think at this point what's happened is uh, Coach Gaddis and, and Coach Harbaugh have peeled back a lot of the offense that was installed uh, at the beginning of the season, even going back to spring practice, and, and just concentrate on, hey, this is what's working, this is what we're going to do? That's sure how it feels. Uh, and, and I think you saw Michigan going back to a lot of concepts that worked well last season. Um, I, I think it's kind of a combination now where I think that they have really honed in on some things that they do well. They've brought back some things that, that they got into a groove with last season, and then they've also married that with some of the new concepts that Josh Gaddis brought in. So I, this maybe is not exactly the offense that Michigan was planning to run uh, on day one of the season, but, you know, that's kind of how football works. You, you adjust. Um uh, you know, you, you play to your strengths. You analyze what, what do we do best. I think Michigan started to figure that out a little bit. Uh, and as a result, they they found some rhythm offensively, which really was lacking early in the season. Well, it looks like Coach Gaddis has settled on a two-prong running attack. Hassan Hoskins lined up starting Saturday night. So was he and Zach Charbonnet. They look like they're really putting it together now, don't they? Yeah, I think Hassan Haskins is kind of the revelation in that in that running back group because yeah. he was not a guy that we talked about a lot before the season. He was, I don't want to say he was an afterthought because his name came up, uh, but it was when his name came up, it was kind of you know as the fourth or fifth guy uh, versus the the starter. But he's really He's really brought something uh, to that position. You know his um, his strength as a runner. You know his power, um, his athleticism. You know we saw him jump over a guy in the open field for for a running back as big as he is. Uh, he's got some pretty impressive uh, elusiveness and athleticism. So uh, really a really a talented guy who I think has opened a lot of eyes here. Uh, over the last couple of weeks. And Shea Patterson, 6-for-12 passing. We really didn't need him to throw that much, of course, but he played a clean game. Your thoughts overall on his performance Saturday night, Austin? The biggest thing was he took care of the football. Mm-hmm. Um, Michigan's fumble problems earlier in the season were something that, that were pretty important in this game you know, because of the elements. Uh, and a pretty big question mark, would Michigan be able to take care of the football? And they did. Um, so I think that's the best thing you can say about Shea Patterson's game is he took care of the ball. Uh, you know, he, he took what was there. In the second half, when the rain let up a little bit, he was able to make some throws. Um, you know, and I thought he I thought he played well too in the read game. You know, there were a couple times that he kept the ball and had a couple uh, a pretty decent run there here and there. So uh, it just you know really a really nice job with him kind of executing the offense in some challenging conditions. Well, the offense as a unit was very, very good. We all agree on that Saturday night, and fans, of course, hope they are hitting their stride. We've been hearing Coach Harbaugh say that for the last couple of weeks or turning the corner. Is it too early to say they've made that turn, or after the last two weeks can we say, yeah, this is a a definite improvement? Definitely they have improved, Uh, and I I expect what they've shown the last two weeks to to continue. Um, I think that they have found something that's going to work for them against, uh, you know, they play Maryland this week. I would expect Michigan, Michigan to be able to hammer some of those similar concepts against Maryland. You know, of course, the big question is uh, the game at the end of the year. You know, how does this stuff translate when Ohio State comes in? And, you know, I, I, think, I think we'll see, you know, if, if the formula that Michigan has found here is going to be something that's going to 
work in a game like that. Uh, but when you look at, at what Michigan has before then, uh, I really do feel like this team is, is in a good place right now in terms of the ability to uh, to generate some momentum going into that big game at the end of the year. Well, as good as the offense was on Saturday night, Don Brown's defense turned in another impressive performance, didn't they? Yeah, they, they were really locked in. I thought Michigan really clustered Ian Book. Um, you know, the way that they were able to keep him off balance, I just I never thought he looked comfortable in the pocket. You know, He was always kind of on the move. Uh, didn't look like he was seeing the field very well. Uh, I'm sure part of that was the element. But uh, you got to give a lot of credit to, to Michigan's defense on that as well. And, and also, you know, the way Michigan shut down Notre Dame's running game, I think Notre, Notre Dame had 47 yards on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's another pretty dominant performance uh, against the run by Michigan. And Michigan's just been really good, uh, really good defensively, especially against the run since that Wisconsin game. We've really seen big improvement there. That Notre Dame offensive line, that offense has been very, very good, as you said, running the football, one of the most prolific offenses in, in the country, or a good offense, I should say. But to me, we were all worried about that Michigan defensive line, especially after the Wisconsin game. But watching them play and operate and shut down that Notre Dame running game, because that Notre Dame offensive line arguably has two or three uh, NFL guys in the trenches. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, you know, the uh, the progression of, of Carlo Kemp has been really impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were a lot of questions about how the interior of that defensive line would hold up. Uh, but that we've really seen that, uh, really seen that improve over the course of the season. I think having Mike Dwum for healthy has, has been a big factor. Um, you know, and I thought the speed of Michigan's defense was, uh, was pretty uh, significant in that game because we saw you know, Notre Dame tried to try to run wide a few times and it just wasn't happening. Uh, and I think you also have to uh, mention Cam McGrone oh, yeah. and what he's brought to that defense since he stepped in there uh, at linebacker because he just you know, his ability to go sideline to sideline and, and the speed he has and uh, how physical he is uh, that's really made, I think, a noticeable difference with Michigan's defense. Oh, absolutely. When you were saying how we were pursuing from side to side, most of the time, that's uh, the guy we saw out, out leading the charge was Cam McGrone. He might not be Devin Bush yet, but he sure reminds uh, a lot of us, I think, of Devin Bush, and he, in a very short time, has become a force and a leader on that defense, hasn't he, Austin? Yeah, that's uh, you know that's a comparison even to be mentioned in the same sentence. Yeah. Uh, that, that tells you that he's, he's playing really well. Uh, and I just think uh, the the trajectory for him is just going up and up and up. Um, you know, just in the short time that we've seen him play, uh, you've already seen the improvement there. So I think he's a guy who just you feel like the sky is the limit for him. Uh, and as he continues to, to play and get some more experience, uh, I think that's a name that we're going to be hearing a lot. Well, another name I think we're going to hear a lot of is Aiden Hutchinson. He was living in the backfield on Saturday night, so I started to focus on why can't they block him? They were doubling him up. They could not stop him. He just continues to impress, and he is a big athletic guy. Yeah, he's had a, a really, um, just a, a, from start to finish all season, I think he's been one of the, the steadiest players that Michigan has had. Um, when I was putting together my, my mid-season piece for the athletic uh, I, I picked him as uh, the midseason MVP just because I feel like he's been uh, the most consistent player that Michigan has had and, and the guy who just you know is always there, always doing his job, 
always in the right place. Um, another game like that on Saturday, you know, maybe not the guy with, with the biggest stats on the team, uh, but I just I think you can't underestimate you know, just just what he means at that position and um, how much having him out there has meant to Michigan's defense. Well, were you surprised in the end how that defense was able to shut down what was a very good Notre Dame offense for four quarters? You know, I I wasn't shocked because we've seen um, we've seen Michigan's defense you know shut down some pretty good teams in the past, um, but. I, it certainly was was up there in terms of one of the most complete defensive performances from Michigan. I, th- I think the thing that probably sticks out to you is um, there were no really no big plays for Notre Dame. Uh, maybe a couple here and there, but uh, for the most part, Notre Dame just didn't have anything going. And I, I think that that has been, you know, if, if there's been one concern with Michigan's defense, it's that even when they play really well, they'll get hit on a couple big plays, mm-hmm. uh, but that really didn't happen. Um, part of that's probably the elements, but I think you also have to give Michigan defense a lot of credit for just being being on point in that game and just not having any any breakdowns at all. Here with us on our game day segment as we look back at that rain fest uh, on Saturday night against Notre Dame is Austin Meek from the Athletic Detroit. Well, this week, Austin, it's on to Maryland. Of course, it's at their place, a noon game. And they got blasted on Saturday by Minnesota, and they just seem right now to be a program going in the, in the wrong direction, don't they? Well, they have a, a really uh, you know really exciting start to the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was some, some buzz about Maryland early in the year. I believe they cracked the top twenty-five briefly. Uh, they had they had that big win against Syracuse, so it looked like early on that this was going to be kind of an interesting team uh, in the first year with Mike Loxley. Uh, obviously, they've uh, they've come on some hard times here. I think I think the word is out now a little bit about what they do. Um, their offense has not been able to to produce like it did early in the season. So, uh, it's a game from Michigan's perspective that certainly you would expect to win, that you ought to win. Um, but uh, anytime you go on the road, uh, you know you, you have to be you have to be on guard because we've seen early in the season at least that this Maryland team was able to be a little bit explosive. They definitely have a lot of talent. The last few years of uh, DJ Durkin, he had top 30 recruiting classes, so they're, you know, they're building up the talent there, but they have had a lot of injuries. Uh, right now, they're having the issues at quarterback where they just can't get any consistency, can they? Yeah, and that that's, you know, that's sort of the story, um, that if you don't have consistent quarterback play, it, it's really hard. Uh, it's really hard to win in the Big Ten. Uh, and it's just you know it, it's it's been a kind of a season of highs and lows for them. You know it's kind of hard to figure out how a team can score. I think they scored 63 on Syracuse, yeah. uh, and then you know get shut out by Penn State. It's it, um, you know it, it, it football is kind of a funny game that way where when when things get rolling one direction, uh, sometimes a team can score a bunch of points, and then if it rolls the other direction, uh, just not be able to do anything. But uh, I, I think. I think what we're settling in to see with this Maryland team is they're they're just not there yet. You know, they they don't have the they don't have the consistent quarterback play, uh, just don't have the weapons to uh, to really be a you know a, a, a big threat in the in the Big Ten. And you would think this game sets up at a pretty good time for Michigan, coming off a a, a good performance or an improving performance at Penn State, then the Notre Dame game Saturday should be able to go in and feel good about themselves 
heading into that last bye week? Yeah, I I think, like I said earlier, I think I think Michigan is in a pretty good place here where um, the schedule sets up for them to really start some momentum going here in the last month of the season because, um, you know, you, you certainly don't take anything for granted, but the way Michigan is playing right now, uh, you would think that, that this is a game that they should win, and then there's a bye week, a uh, chance to get, you know, to get healthy and, and work on some little stuff. Uh, you get Michigan State at home, and obviously it's been a been a struggle for Michigan State the last few weeks. Uh, playing at Indiana is is always a challenge, uh, but I just I feel like the way things are are going right now, uh, Michigan has kind of moved past some of that stuff that was was going on early in the season uh, that had people kind of kind of worried. Uh, I think they've answered quite a bit of those questions by the way they've played just the last six quarters and now I think you look for them to be able to sustain that now over a period of a few weeks. Well it's stretch run time in the Big Ten and some good matchups are are on the horizon and there have been some surprises to me the biggest surprise in the conference has been Minnesota. P.J. Fleck has really done a nice job with the the Gophers hasn't he? You know that's a team that uh, there really was not a ton of buzz about them before the season Um, and even I think you know, after they after the first month or so of the season, you know they were undefeated, but they they'd won some really close games. Uh, you know, I think all of their their non-conference wins were decided by single digits. Uh, so it wasn't like they were you know dominating people, but they just kept winning. Uh, and and now they have you know they have dominated some people uh, as the season has gone on. And um, you know, really it was you know there was a lot of buzz about Nebraska. Uh, in the West before the season, Nebraska has has struggled. Uh, you know, and then it, the conversation kind of shifted to Wisconsin, uh, and Wisconsin has now lost a couple games. And Minnesota's kind of the team that's just keeps chugging along. Uh, you know, they're gonna they're gonna have some tougher games in, in the last month of the of the season. Their schedule was kind of backloaded, so we'll we'll find out, I guess, if if they're for real. But they've already you know, they've already I think exceeded. The expectations a lot of people had and uh, have certainly put themselves in a position to have a chance to, to win the division. Oh, absolutely. They are the surprise to me. Uh, and if you're looking at teams that we can classify as disappointments, would be Nebraska and Michigan State. I didn't, I mean, the preseason hype, everyone said Nebraska might contend in the West. We now know that's not going to happen. But Michigan State, what's happening there is uh, it's head scratching, isn't it? It is. You know, the, those two teams are kind of um, two teams sort of in different places as a program, you know. Um, Nebraska, everybody felt like they were on the way up with Scott Frost, uh, and and they may be. This may be just a hiccup uh, in the second season for him, but clearly they're further away than than people thought they would be. Uh, you know, with Michigan State, it's it's kind of the the opposite story. It feels like they're sort of on the downslope, and that's been the challenge for Mark Antonio is is to get that thing going back uh, going back up again. And it just it, it's been tough this year. You know, offensively they just haven't been able to get anything going. Um, I, they've they've asked so much of that defense that it just hasn't been able to you know, hasn't been able to carry them uh, carry them to wins without the, the offense being there. So uh, it's it's a tough spot for them. But certainly from the Michigan perspective, uh, Michigan always knows they're going to get the best shot from Michigan State every, every time. Well, Ohio State still has uh, Minnesota, Penn State, and Michigan on the schedule in their last four weeks. We get to see Ohio State, I think, all of us from time to time, but 
Do you think we should have any reason to believe that any one of those three teams can compete with or give Ohio State a game at this point? You know, not not from what we've seen so far. Uh, Ohio State just looks to be on a different plane right now from, from everybody else. Um, you know, fun, funny things do happen. Um, you know, we, we see games every year uh, where something surprises us, but that would be a huge surprise at this point based on uh, how dominant Ohio State has been. That 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 team just looked like a juggernaut uh, with with no weaknesses. You know, it's hard to point to anything uh, and say, well, here's something with that Ohio State team that you can exploit because you know they're, they're great on defense. Uh, they're explosive offensively. They they run the ball. They throw the ball. Uh, there's just really nothing uh, that Ohio State has not done well this season. No, and I think the big improvement or the big difference from the last couple of years is that defense, and of course that is what grinds Michigan fans with uh, Greg Madison, now the co-defensive coordinator. Uh, that defense just looks, I haven't seen anyone move the ball against them this year. Yeah, and Chase Young is just, uh, yeah. you know, he's a monster. Uh, you know, maybe may the best player in the country. Um, I don't know if he's going to win the Heisman, but if he keeps playing like this, he's probably going to be a Heisman finalist, and that's that's pretty hard to do at the position he plays, but that's how dominant he's been uh, in his ability to, to get to the quarterback and uh, just you know just wreck what the other team wants to do. So um, I'm sure he's a guy that uh, when the Ohio State-Michigan game rolls around, a guy that's going to have a lot of attention from Michigan. Oh, yeah. Well, final question for you, Austin. Uh, as we've mentioned from time to time and have enjoyed uh, what you're, you're doing, your fine work at the Athletic Detroit. It's your first year uh, covering uh, Michigan football, Big Ten uh, football. Are you enjoying it? Oh, it's been a blast. Yeah, I've, I've, I've had a lot of fun. It's been, uh, you know, it's been an interesting season. I, I don't, it's hard to really say what I expected coming into this season. I think I was kind of just uh, coming into it with eyes wide open. And certainly it's been, uh, it's it's been interesting so far. You know, I've had a chance to see some, you know, some really cool places that I'd never been before. Uh, I made my first trip to Penn State uh, a couple weeks ago. That was certainly a, certainly an interesting thing. And uh, covering games uh, at, at Michigan Stadium on a regular basis has, uh, has been a real, real thrill. So, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to feel like I have my legs under me a little bit now, and uh, at least. I kind of know what's going on. I, I'm still, uh, you know, st- still getting the hang of it in some ways. But um, yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun, and I'm uh, interested to see, see where this thing goes next. As we've mentioned, you covered Oregon for the last couple of years, so Pac-12 football. If someone asks you, what's the major difference between game day or between uh, atmosphere between those two conferences? What comes to mind? Well, you know, the passion of fans in this part of the country is is hard to beat. Um, you know, there certainly are passionate fans on the West Coast. Uh, I, I think the big difference is, you know, on the West Coast, things are a little more spread out, uh, and there's a lot going on, especially in, in the big markets. You know, when you get down uh, to the L.A. schools and you know, in Southern California, uh, in the Bay Area, there's uh, there's a lot to do there. And college sports are kind of, you know, they're certainly one of the things that people are passionate about, but maybe not at the very top of the list. Um, and, and in this part of the country, uh, in college sports, it's just, there's a, there's a culture around it, uh, that it's pretty hard to beat. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's similar in a lot of ways. 
but but the passion here is uh, pretty special, something that you don't find everywhere. Well, with us on our game day segment this week has been Austin Meek from The Athletic Detroit. You do great work uh, for folks that aren't familiar with The Athletic. Austin, tell them how they can subscribe. Yeah, uh, if, if you go to uh, theathletic.com backslash Detroit, uh, you can read all of the all of the local coverage here uh, with Michigan, Michigan State, uh, the Lions, uh, the Tigers, the Red Wings. Uh, all all the local teams are covered there. Uh, on any of the uh, on any of the stories that you read, there will be a, there will be a link that you can subscribe. Uh, we we run promotions pretty uh, regularly, so keep an eye on uh, on social media. Uh, to see what the what the promotion of the week is, uh, and yeah, we uh, we really appreciate all the people who have come on board with us. It's still, uh, it's still, still pretty new. Uh, only been doing this a couple years, but uh, have already seen a bunch of people uh, come on board. So we really appreciate that, and uh, really appreciate the support and the chance to uh, interact with the subscribers. Good deal. We'll get that information up on our show notes page, too. So once again, Austin Meek from The Athletic Detroit. Great to have you with us, Austin, and we look forward to our next visit. Okay. Thank you very much, Mike. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze & Brew. On Quick Hits today, at Jim's presser, he had no update on Ronnie Bell's injury. Ronnie left the game in the third quarter on Saturday night with what appeared to be a lower body injury. He leads the team with 26 catches, and we hope to have him back, if not this week, after the bye. There were no other injuries of note, and that means we are in really good shape eight weeks into the season. Thanks to my guest today, beat writer Austin Meek from The Athletic Detroit. Now, every time I have Austin on the show or Nick Baumgartner or Brendan Quinn during hoop season, uh, listeners ask me how they can read these guys. And The Athletic is where things are headed, I think, in the print world. It's electronic. You need a subscription so you can read them on your favorite electronic device, whether that's a laptop, a tablet, or on your phone. So to check out pricing and deals, visit www.theathletic.com forward slash Detroit. That's www.theathletic.com forward slash Detroit. It's good stuff, so check out the deals. On Thursday's Visitor's Edition, we will get the latest on what is going on with this week's opponent, the Maryland Terrapins. Our guest will be Wes Brown, who covers the Terps for SB Nation's Testudo Times. If you're wondering what the Testudo thing is all about, we'll have Wes explain that to us on Thursday. That does it for another game day edition of the show. Make sure you join us on Thursday. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until then, have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Take care, and as always, go blue. 
Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!